Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. We are back again for our first episode of the off season. It happened, Endo. Yeah, it happened. The, the thing happened. We got to talk about one game, <laughs> or we'll get to talk about one game. <laughs> For the Stanley Cup final, essentially. Well, two games, actually. I was I was back here for games five and six, but um, boy, did that Finland trip really kind of disrupt everything we had going on. Just a little bit, yeah. Just just a smidge, as they say. Just a, just a smidge. Uh, but we are back. I am alongside Mr. Endo Mills, as always. Not alongside Mr. Sin for the win, who um, might honestly stay in Finland for the rest of his life. Time will tell. <laughs> he keeps extending how long he's going to be in Finland. So we might hear from Sin by the time free agency starts. We might not hear from him ever again. We might hear from him at the start of next season once we get into our preview stuff. Time will ultimately tell. But we might be into that part of the year where we go down to one episode a week. It really does depend on kind of what happens over the next few weeks leading up to the draft because. Let's be honest, Endo. Say we're going to record on Friday. Right. How much is really going to happen between now and then? We don't know. Sometimes the offseason is very busy at this point, and sometimes nothing happens. You, you never know. Um, sometimes it's really busy. Sometimes it isn't. I remember um, during my internship uh, with TSN, they were like, oh, it's going to be a big big huge thing with free agent frenzy because this was during the pandemic like right when they got mm. the return to play and all that it's like it was gonna be so many moves there was like maybe like three to four big ones we're just waiting for the entire day like all right who's gonna go like he had he had petrangelo going to vegas like it was crazy it was it was yeah. a lot of moves we expected like massive huge things it was like oh this is actually kind of boring that's you every trade deadline ever yeah, <laughs> we've we've had a couple of those live streams on deadline day where just nothing has happened whatsoever. Mm. We do have a lot to talk about today. The Stanley Cup final wrapping up the Hockey Hall of Fame inductees and a whole lot more. But before we get down to that, we have to mention, as always, right off the top that this broadcast, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. That is manscaped.com, where you can use code Tugi at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping manscaped.com the best tools for the job head to toe they got you covered you need hair removed you need a fantastic pair of boxers you need some deodorant for pits and or sack literally any way that you need some help in the male grooming department they got you covered and again as endo mills and i have talked about on this show it's not just for the fellas it might be manscaped but man can be a broader term as in human because, again, you pretty much, you're good to go. Like, there's only so much we can hype it up at the end of the day. It they works. literally do have you covered head to toe. That's the only thing they really say. Yeah, it works. It does its job, 100%. Uh, I thought when you were saying new pair of boxers, they were going to say new pair of balls. I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> they're looking brand new with the nice cleaning <laughs> utensils and stuff provided to you by Manscaped. Oh, so God. fresh you can suck my nuts. Manscaped.com. New you, new balls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> new balls, new me. All I can think of is every time we have to do this ad, you remember the Chappelle show skit 
his balls are smooth as oh no, it was Dave Chappelle's stand up like back in like oh three before yeah. he was uh very controversial. Um it was the oh his balls are as smooth as eggs. It's all I can think of now <laughs> oh, when man. it comes to promoting Manscaped. Go to Gia Checkout. Thank you to Manscaped. Thank you guys to you as well for listening. And uh, viewer yeah. questions, as always, oh, no. link to the Discord in the description, whether on YouTube or in any audio form. And we have to start it off, as always, with a rogue pineapple. Setting the stage, as he so often does for these viewer questions. He found out about this, and now we, we just can't stop him. We can't. His question of the day. Would you rather channel a ghost every time you have sex or have skin made of nacho cheese Doritos? Can you go first? Because this is a stupid question. Yeah. So the idea of... Okay, so channeling a ghost is, uh, is my question because... Like, all that means, essentially, right, is, like, it doesn't necessarily mean a ghost, like, takes over you as a medium, does it? It's just, like, you can communicate with the ghost? Like, is he just spawn in the room and he's, like, a right. cop who so just watches? Like, is, is that what's going on? <laughs> Every like, time I have, no I have sex, Casper's jerking it in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish that was me. Oh, like. <laughs> like what? What's going on? I never got the chance. I died as a kid. Morning, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Marty> Christ. <laughs> that's that's even worse. Oh, it's, it's pretty terrible. So that's I bad. mean, like, look, it depends on what the definition of channel a ghost is. Like, if a ghost, like, I imagine it would just be like a ghost is there, and like, okay, like, are they gonna like jump scare me? And at the end of the day, like, eventually, there's only like. <laughs> You're about to finish. He goes, boom. And you're like, ah. <laughs> Oops. Now you have a child on the way. I, I had the exact same thought. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it's this ghost nutting. Jesus. <laughs> so every time. So it only says when you have sex, right? It doesn't include masturbation. So it's like you could just be there. And it's like. Oh, you know, you finish, and then what? Like, does a ghost just appear and shake his head at you disapprovingly? <laughs> Should have been does me. The ghost, does the ghost show up from, like, me, so to speak? <laughs> like, the sh- <laughs> just how does this work? Like, does he show up you- in the corner? Does he take over my soul? Like... I, does he does he continue? Does he finish the job? Like, what's going on? You you lost it. Usually, I lose it like this, but this is the first time I've seen you just fully it's just, just so fucking gone. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other side of this is having skin made of Doritos. <laughs> Which, but he has a he has a lot to think about on this route as a mailman. He's just like in like he does. Man, what if I had skin like Doritos? What do I do? Does like like would you be able to step on your own feet or would like you shatter? I'd, I'd find myself um, someone of the Spanish variety, typically of Mexico. Uh, even as that's kind of Spaniard because they speak Spanish, and who could be my my nacho cheese? So therefore, I could dip myself. <laughs> 
with her. We could be in holy matrimony and have little <laughs> and then the ghost kids. shows up and starts jerking off in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackie slaps the sister. <laughs> 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 have jalapeno kids. Jesus. God. I'll go with the ghost. I'll go with the ghost because jokes on you, Piney. I don't have sex. Um, no. <laughs> Are you sure Check about me. that? Check you just me. came back from Finland and you haven't uh, been home in two weeks. I'm pretty I, sure. I, you are I not a child the- of Christ. Shut up. You're not a child of Christ. <laughs> You're not Tim Tebow. Keep your mouth shut. I, I know what you the- got going on there. I played the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Our second question. Good luck. Good luck topping whatever the hell just happened. Uh, This comes from Big Nate, who was yet again our top donor for a charity stream. Again, that we had this weekend, we raised money for the Trans Empowerment Project along with Soft Giving. Thank you to everybody that donated. Big Nate will be joining us on an edition of the Tukey Steak Podcast. He is a Habs fan, so he's elected to kind of wait towards the draft. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Habs and the draft in this podcast. But his question was this. Is Marshawn going to be traded now that Don Sweeney is back? And then also on the Discord, Oliver Wallstrom stand, great name, asked, what do you think happens with Pasternak now that Sweeney got extended? In brackets, I'm sorry. <laughs> so essentially, we need to talk about the fact that what we knew was going to happen, happened. And I know a lot of people are watching this just being like, yes, here comes this legendary Tuki 24 rants and that lord knows there have been quite a few on youtube and twitch over the years and on this podcast as well i don't know if i have it in me today before you start hold on i have to ask paulina of something hey can you grab some popcorn Tuki's going on a rant <laughs> jesus and send there you there go. you go so i've had a lot of time to process this right because when sweeney was allowed to fire Bruce Cassidy, it was very clear that he was going to stay with the Boston Bruins. So I've had a lot of time, like I said, to to kind of mentally prepare for for this. And I hate to say that I've had to mentally prepare for this, but I I have because it's a lot of what we've kind of been over over the past few months, especially after the trade deadline, right? When it comes to Don Sweeney is it's just I felt like he didn't do enough that's pretty well documented um card carrying member of the andrew cop fan club i felt like he did not do enough and that hampus linton was the wrong target to go after so obviously once it was announced like oh hey bruce cassie's gone it's like okay cool so don sweeney's staying and yeah he got a multi-year extension <sighs> am i excited about it no because what are the highlights of don sweeney's tenure the 2015 draft the first round being completely fucked and the 2019 cup final loss. That's it. That is, that's, that's what you've provided. And look, you know, 2019 being what it was, you get to the cup final, you never know, but that's, that's all you've done. And I've talked about this with Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand and David Posternock, arguably the best line in hockey at any point in time over the past three to four years. With all of them signed for individual deals that are worth less than $7 million per. You also had Tuka Rask, the best goaltender in team history. People will continue to try to argue that, and that's okay, because some people like to make themselves look foolish. 
I will allow them. I will laugh at them. It's good entertainment. You had Zidane Chara at the tail end of his run. You have Charlie McAvoy now at 24 years old. I I just, I, I don't know how this gets better. And like, like look, the idea is, is out there that, yes, like we don't know what's going to happen with Patrice Bergeron. The rumor was he's apparently going to come back. Uh, Brad Marshawn has three years left at 6.1 million, which is Brad Marshawn at 6.125. And then David Posternox entering the last year of his deal. David Posternox, a UFA at the end of this year. Do I have any confidence? No. Am I hoping that Don Sweeney inspires me and instills some confidence in me and other Bruins fans? Yes. Am I banking on that happening? No. And I feel like it's because the other piece of Bruins news that's out there is that David Quinn, who was the head coach of the New York Rangers, has gotten the furthest along in the hiring process than any other coach. He has met with Bruins ownership, Jeremy Jacobs. He's the front runner right now. And the Bruins always like to put forward that front of we, and I've said this on Twitter, we are contenders always. Your way of instilling confidence is to hire the guy that missed the playoffs with the Rangers in all three of his seasons with the team. You lost in the qualifier in the bubble. They missed out by 11 points and 20 points as well in his time there. How am I supposed to be instilled with confidence? It could work. He could be the right fit. Who the hell knows? He's a Massachusetts guy, you know, his NCAA coaching tenure. It could work, but I have not been... And I think I said this on the podcast before, and it's still true. I have not been this pessimistic about the Boston Bruins since the Leafs were up 4-1 in 2013. Jeez. Like, when they were losing 4-1, because there were a lot of questions there, too, about what the hell is going to happen next, right? Like, you're two years removed from a cup. You won the President's Trophy, lost in the first round, and now it looks like you're going to lose in the first round of the Leafs. That sets the stage for major changes. Absolutely. I mean, shit, look at Tampa. They lost to Columbus in 2019. That set the stage for major changes. They held on, and that was the right move to make. But, like, it just it seemed like, okay, the Bruins are going to lose to the Leafs in Game 7, and major, major moves are going to be made. And, you know, obviously what happened, happened. They went to the cup final that year, lost. And then two years later, you know, they go through that string of not making the playoffs because giving up that amount of assets caught up to them. Now you're here. I just don't, I don't know what the game plan is. I have no idea what the game plan is. You're one of two or three teams so far that haven't named a head coach. Uh, along with Winnipeg and I think one other team. And, of course, the Jets were going after trots, and that blew up in their face. Yep. Um, you don't have your first-round pick this year. Bergeron still technically isn't signed. We don't know for sure. Pasternak's extension needs to be the piece. Like, you need to secure that. And if you don't, that then what? Are we going to fire Don Sweeney a year from now if he doesn't resign Pasternak? 
then what was the point of bringing him back this year? And if not, David Posternock leaves. That tells me Don Sweeney is in charge of the rebuild. Wasn't all that long ago I went over the Bruins draft pick history since he's been on with the team. I'm supposed to trust that he at the helm will have draft success. Consistent draft success. Because in theory, well, you should have higher draft picks and be able to do well. No confidence right now what whatsoever. Uh, I hope to eventually have my... Uh, have my opinion changed, but they have to earn that. So, you know, is there a great chance that Brad Marchand gets traded before his contract's up? Yes. Is there a good chance that David Posternock walks after next year? Like, bottom line, if they don't get him re-signed and you go into the season without an extension, he gets traded at the trade deadline, doesn't he? Like, unless they're crushing it. I mean, I feel like the Bruins are in a situation that, no disrespect, and you know the type of Leafs fan that is all ready for the past couple of years now, been like, oh, God, Austin Matthews, and this year he's going to leave. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? That's what Bruins fans are living right now with the idea of David Posternock leaving, except it's yeah. actually right in front of us, whereas yeah. you, you get the Leafs doomers who are like, oh, my God, he's going to leave. You know, again, like that's still a situation that's down the road for you guys. Whereas for Bruins fans, it's like, <laughs> oh, fuck, here we go. Like we, we are at the cliff's edge looking down and Scott Stapp is standing at the bottom of the mountain saying, join us. It's maybe six feet ain't so far down. And as it turns out, oh, no, no, it's pretty far down. Don's going to drag us further than six feet into the grave <laughs> is my suspicion. There you go, everybody. Hopefully that sufficed. I it's just it's depression at this point because I, I really do feel like I'm uh looking at a real rocky road ahead for my favorite team and that the twenty thirteen and twenty nineteen cup finals losses uh might be the uh the most recent cup finals memories I'll have for the Boston Bruins for a very, very, very long time. And no, I don't expect anybody to have any sympathy for a Boston sports fan in terms of a championship-level team. But Endo, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or we can move on. It's What are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> so the one thing that I will say about this is because, you know, I don't really pay attention to the rival and the moves they've been doing. But, you know, uh, since I now I'm on a podcast, I'm paying a lot more attention with everything. I have never seen a more unanimous disdain for a hiring I think in the history of social media, mm. it is absolutely insane with how many people are not even like baffled. They everyone knew it was going to happen, but the the reaction from everybody is insane. I don't think on a single feed that I have the Bruins on, there was a single person supporting this move whatsoever. Everyone was saying it's over, the run's dead, tank for Bedard, everything. I, I don't know what's going on. I and they again, you know what? They don't have a couch coach couch. They don't have a coach. They probably don't have a couch either at this point. Um, but I don't know what they're gonna do. It, it's really baffling to see a team that, you know, didn't draft well, completely missed a mark on that in that draft too, missing missing um what was it? Uh Barzell and who was it? Kyle no, not Clifford. It was another one who played Kyle for the Connor. Jets. 
Cal Connor, yes, there. Missing those two keys and picking up two guys who obviously you didn't know then. But in retrospect now, that was a big mess up. And I'm not sure if they're going to clean house or scouting department because that could be a reason why as well too. But I don't know. It, it really makes you think about everything going on in the organization and knowing that the old boys club works its charm again. And I know for a fact they're going to hire some random ass person, like you said, Quinn, to pr- come in there and do it up. It's not going to be a new fresh face unlike other franchises franchises have done so far this offseason. It's, it's going to be the same old guys together who are friends, a bunch of yes men listening to each other, and it's going to affect the franchise. If it if it causes them to do even better now, then fuck it, I'm wrong. Call, call, me, call me an idiot then. But right now, it does not look good for this, and especially for the fans. And it does not help that everyone's now dunking on Sabres, uh, not Sabres fans, dunking on Bruins fans because of the situation they have on there. Just more ammunition. It's like, oh yeah, well we won a cup like like last in the last decade. Oh yeah, well you lost to St. Louis and then just died. The end. Yeah. Like I said, I will I will love to be wrong uh, about David Quinn. A lot of people are like, oh well, I mean, who knows what would happen if they he had gotten the Shesterkin of this year and in the prior years. But I look at those rosters, I don't see a drastic difference in uh what gerard gallant had to work with this year compared yeah. to what david quinn had to work with uh, yeah I, I i don't know i hope it works out but no confidence whatsoever uh, from scroopy noopers of those former players snubbed for another year by the hockey hall of fame who would you like to see get in next year so that'll bring us to actually talking about the hockey hall of fame then really quickly so the inductees this year and, uh, you know, here, we'll actually combine this because there was another question from Penn's fan. The first inductee is goaltender Roberto Luongo. So Penn's fan, Penn's fan mentioned, now that Lou got in on the first ballot, what about Lunkfist, Price, Rene, and Flurry? And we talked about this on the show before, how difficult it is for goalies to make it into the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury is a slam dunk. He has yeah. the cups, he has the Vesna, he's a slam dunk. But it was guys like Luongo, Lunkfist, Price, Rene, my opinion's a bit further back from those guys. But the big three, I would argue, were Luongo, Lunkfist, and Price. The conversation surrounding them was, well, they don't have the cups, so do they make it in? And Roberto Luongo just made it in on the first ballot. Yep. So, in my opinion, does that open the door to say Lundqvist and Price make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think they do. If Luongo's going to make it without a Stanley Cup, then I think those other two make it as well. So for that reason, I'm very intrigued by the Luongo induction. And Luongo, I mean, look, he deserves it. You look at the stat line, he was an incredible goaltender for an incredibly long time. Was it 19 seasons? Uh... From 99 to 2019? Might have even been a full he, 20. I think it was a 19-year career with over 1,000 games played. He yeah, had... 19 years. He had... The funny thing is, he didn't have the cup, and I was going to say he has everything except the cup. He never won the Vesna. Yeah. And he still made it first ballot. I mean, he has two world, world championships, uh, one World Cup, uh, two-time Olympic gold medal. He has the Jennings. 
he also has uh, two second all-star teams. Let me see. QMJ, but that doesn't really matter. It's two-time. Uh, he won uh, all-star team as well for IHF U20 as well. And best goaltender. So he has a lot of stuff that aren't really NHL rewards. And mm. then it makes big as a question, does NHL stuff really matter? Or is it just all longevity of actual hockey? Because a lot of times when it comes to players, it's always, oh, do they have a cop? Do they have this? Do they have that? And then you look in the retrospect with someone like, um, what's it, Henrik Lundqvist. And I don't think he has nowhere near the same hardware, but he does have a Vesna, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So then you, you have to like basically wonder about that too. Uh, yeah, well, it feels like Luongo got in based off of, I mean, consistency, longevity, and the two yeah. Olympic gold medals. Yeah. So, so as I look up Luongo's, uh, as I look up Lundqvist's stuff, he's a two-time J20 SM gold mem- 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 medalist, one-time <laughs> Olympic gold, world championship gold, uh, two-time silver, uh, what's this one? Olympic silver and world junior silver. I mean, yeah, dude, he's, bronze. It's, yeah. it's absurd. Like he had... Lundqvist is going to make it. He yeah. has an Olympic gold medal. He has a Vesna that offsets the lack of a Stanley Cup similar to the likes of Roberto Luongo. I think it absolutely opens the door for Henrik Lundqvist to make it in. I mean, he had a 15-year career. Um, Luongo, I mean, the basic save percentage, but Luongo had a career 919 save percentage. Lundqvist had a career 918. Yep. He also had, I mean, both guys made it to a Stanley Cup final in their careers. Uh, Yeah, I I think clearly, like clear as day, like that's the biggest thing. I think Roberto Luongo is a deserving member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. We don't necessarily have to hype up his uh, entire career in a sense that if you're listening to this, odds are you're old enough to understand how good Roberto Luongo was because he did not retire all that long ago. Uh, an incredible goaltender. Like I said, though, just the only thing he's really lacking is the Vesna and a cup. Lundqvist is lacking the cup and then Carey Price uh, as well. You know, you look at um, you look at his trophy cabinet. Obviously, again, no Stanley Cup did make it to a cup final, just like the other two guys that we're talking about here. For Carey Price, um, did he I don't he did win the Vesna once. And he also won the Hart Trophy. So I think for that reason, again, like you're kind of, you're looking like, okay, if if Luongo is that new standard of, well, you don't necessarily need a Stanley Cup, then I fail to see how Carey Price would fail to make it. I mean, granted, that the Vesna Trophy and the Hart Trophy, shit, he also won the Ted Lindsay that same year. It was that 2014-15 season. Yeah. I, I think that's the big thing for Luongo is I'm not saying it lowers the bar, but if the argument's there for Luongo, then it's definitely in for Lundqvist and Price, and they absolutely should be considered snubs if they don't make it. First ballot, maybe, maybe not, but if Luongo's in, those two have to be in as well. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at Price's stuff, too. Even regardless of the hardware... That he has, I think he's a shoo-in because he is the, as a goalie myself, his his style of play is textbook. When you are teaching someone goalie stuff, 
you go to Carey Price and you say, if you're going to play a style of goalie, this is absolute perfection. There's a reason why that when they te- again, like they teach goalies, they say, look at Carey Price's game, look at Andre Vasilevsky's game, look at those guys and see what they do well, study that, and just go from there. there there's a reason why, and it's because it's it's literally immaculate. Granted, he's been on some quote-unquote poor teams as of late, <laughs> uh, but you know the guy literally carries his team until he cannot move anymore. He brought that team basically single-handedly over to the Stanley Cup final, and he did so in such a strong fashion. He was injured this whole entire year. Yeah, like I don't know what else you can say, but that's absolute class. So again, I think. Luongo, rifle entry. He is going to open the door for other goalies that it was a bit more of a a toss-up as to whether or not they'd make it. The Sedins, Henrik and Daniel, also go in first ballot. They become the seventh set of brothers to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. The first to do so in the same year. I believe they're also the first twins to be inducted into the Hall of Fame together. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that. And again... You know, for so, so long, the conversation was, but did they win? But did they win? The Sedins didn't win, but how the hell are you going to argue that that was the reason why they should be held off the list? And that's kind of what this Hall of Fame class really shows is it feels like they're lightening up a little bit on, oh, but did they win? Like, no, like, who the hell is going to argue? I'm sure somebody would. Steve Simmons probably would. Who the hell is going to argue against the Sedin twins being hockey all the famers? They're, they're slam dunk candidates. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's no argument. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? Sit here for the next 10 minutes and praise the Sedin twins? Sure. Yeah. That wouldn't be enough, though. If we're going to praise them, <laughs> let's stay here for six hours and do it because they were fucking incredible hockey players. Absolutely. God, unreal. they just knew where they were on the other ice, like, completely. It could be a cross, like, across the like the arena just feed a pass up and they've done it several times like the amount of no look passes that they've done they've done with each other is insane mm-hmm. that's stuff that you usually do in like ball hockey with your buddy you've played with like four years or whatever but they, they've played their whole entire lives together like they even were yeah. tra- tra- traded with the draft pick in order to grow together insane Henrik had a Henrik had a heart trophy to his credits uh, Daniel as well. I mean, they both won Olympic gold in 06. Uh, Daniel also uh, won an Art Ross trophy in his career. So, again, a Ted Lindsay and a Hart for that matter. Actually, he was a Hart finalist, but he won the Ted Lindsay. So, again, individual hardware, not a, you know, a full trophy case of it, but examples of individual hardware, the longevity, the best, you know, some of the best of their era, and they get in despite the fact that they hadn't won the cup. And, again, I think there's no argument here. And it's the same for the other guy that made it in. Daniel Alfredson. Sweet, beautiful Daniel Alfredson. No issue whatsoever with him making it in. Um, you know, former Calder winner, but he never he never had that major award. You know, he never won an Art Ross. He never won a Hart Trophy. But the longevity that he had, you know, over uh, 1,100 points in 18 seasons, one of the best of his era. You see the common theme here of all these guys that we've talked about have at least made it to a cup final. 
I, I can't you. argue it. I certainly Cut can't argue Daniel Appertson. Oh, the popcorn finally arrived. <laughs> Got the popcorn. Thank you. Polina also Beautiful. said, what the fuck? Because my room changed again. She, she she didn't see it. So yeah. there you go. I'll put this well, over there. If you ever want to yeah. wax poetically, let me know, and I'll just eat popcorn while you do it. There you go. What can also, we say? Yeah. Like, there's nothing else hey, we can hey, say hey. about like the Wongo, the Sedins, Daniel Alfredson. Like, yeah, obviously, especially for people our age or a little bit older, who the mm -hmm. hell is going to argue against any of these guys when we got to watch them play? You know? Oh, yeah. Like, so the other two inductees uh, this year, first and foremost, um, we had the ninth woman inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame and the first non-North American, uh, Rika Salonen. And, uh, you know, hey, sorry, I just I just left Finland. My pronunciation should be on point. Sometimes, though, it is not. Um, holy crap <laughs> is the only way to describe her career and her accomplishments. I mean, there is no argument whatsoever in terms of someone who is deserving to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And the fact that she essentially took a break in her career, like a 10-year break, I think, from like 03 to 2013. She just didn't play. She went and did other stuff, and then came back. She topped uh, Tamu Solani's record for the oldest player to ever medal in ice hockey at the Olympics, which is cool as fuck. It, it's, it's absurd. Like, just looking at the list of awards that she happens to have, whether you look even on Wikipedia or freaking Elite Prospects. Yeah. Um, Multiple, multiple time medalists in the world championships, in the Olympics. Like, again, a 10 year break in terms of the uh, uh, winning bronze at the Olympics with the uh, the Finnish team. Uh, yeah, somebody who, you know, again, we, we, we've talked about the women's game and still just how early into really the history of the women's game that we are. I mean, Jesus, like 98 in Nagano, we did a video on it, was the yeah. first time women's hockey was at the Olympics. Like, we're not even 25 years into women's hockey having representation at the Olympics. Like, that's how early into this, into the early stages we are. Uh, and you can't have, my opinion, you can't have, based off of, you know, just what I've what I've learned about her because we got to cover her in that video. I'm not sitting here being like, yeah, I followed her career the entire way. But you look up someone's accomplishments like this. Yeah, you can't have uh, essentially, uh, you know, it, in terms of the women that are in the Hockey Hall of Fame, you can't really have a Hockey Hall of Fame in terms of women inductees without having Rika Salonen in there. Just based off of what right. she's accomplished. It's absolutely unbelievable. And then the final inductee, uh, I believe in the builders category, was Herb. Uh, I believe it was Carnegie. And oh yes, Herb Carnegie, absolutely. There you go. Now, legend. Admittedly, somebody I have barely heard of. Yeah, and I think that's bullshit. I think a much bigger name in Canada, but here in the states, so much, and rightfully so. But so much of the 
kind of credit when it comes to talking about the idea of breaking down the color barrier in pro hockey goes to Willie O'Ree. Whereas at the same time, Herb Carnegie played in the 40s and in the 50s. And there's an entry on his Wikipedia page that I felt was necessary to mention. Yeah, just, I just read that. Just, in- yeah. So, and I quote, in one famous 1938 incident, Con Smythe, yeah, you know, the guy the trophy's named after? Yeah. <laughs> who, was the, who was the owner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, watched Carnegie play as a member of the Toronto Young Rangers. He is alleged to have said either that he would accept Carnegie on the team if he were white, or that he would pay $10,000 to anybody who could turn him white. Yeah. That is the type of shit that this man had to put up with. You are clearly talented enough, but we're never going to give you the chance. And he is one of numerous people who obviously have that story. But certainly, in terms of the idea of like, oh, he's in the builder category as someone who helped change the game and make it what it is now. Yeah, he's there. And his legacy continues on uh, to this day. He passed away in 2012. But his legacy continues on. His granddaughter, uh, Bernice, is co-owner of the Toronto Six. Obviously, right now in the PHF. Yep. He has a massive legacy in the hockey world. And, you know, you you really do hate to think of where the sport would be if it wasn't for people like Herb Carnegie or Willie O'Ree and so many others. So, again, somebody that I had to read up on. I'm like, I don't know who that is. And that's wrong. And I mm-hmm. had to read up a little bit more on him and, and Rika Salonen as well. And it's just the idea of, I feel like a lot of people kind of look at inductees like this. of like, oh, I don't know who they are. I'm going to focus on the Longo and the Sedins. No, read up on who some of these people are. Get a little bit more informed because you're going to be like, oh, that is a name I 1000% should know. Exactly. And Herb Carnegie is one of those names. Yeah. Uh, noted fact too is um, a few years ago, I can't remember when it was, but um, they renamed the arena called the Herbert Carnegie arena in his name. Uh, currently that's where the North York Rangers out of the OJHL play. It's possibly one of the nice, it's a very old kind of style looking barn, but the ice is probably one of the best I've skated on aside from, you know, rink actual NHL ice, great arena, great facilities. And they have a whole bunch of stuff regarding uh, black hockey players and other founders and builders in the arena as well, too. It's a, uh, it's very, it's very nice to go through just to look through all the history and everything. I mean, like I said, I, I think for someone like you, you know, in Ontario, I mean, Herb Carnegie born in Toronto, died in Toronto. Like, yeah, the the impact, I'm sure, is a lot more noticeable and recognizable around the province of Ontario uh, compared to, again, like I said, here in America, rightfully so. But still, the name that's so heavily focused upon is someone like Willie O'Ree. Um, so certainly, again, somebody to read up on now. The question was essentially from Scorpio, like, oh, players that were snubbed. And that's always a big focus. Guys like Alexander Mogilny, who, again, Mm -hmm. didn't make it in for one reason or another. Uh, God, there was even a report of like, oh, well, the belief is he wouldn't show up to the ceremony. So some people hold that against him. Like, there's just so many crazy bullshit stories. Mogilny should be in. Uh, Patrick Eliash, Sergey Gonchar, other names that that could be in, and I think there's you know debates for and against. Um, again, I grew up watching those players, so I'm like, yeah, fuck it, put them in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but you know, it depends on where your standard is. Rod Brindamore is another name that was thrown out. Uh, Sarah Sivian, who does cover the 
Hurricanes made a point that Brendan Moore has over 200 more goals and 100 more points and one more Stanley Cup than someone like Henrik Sedin. Not the most fair comparison. I do agree that era matters. You know, someone mentioned that Brendan Moore's most dominant stretch had him tied for 21st in points in that time in the league, whereas Sedin's most dominant stretch uh, had him in like fourth or seventh. Like, and but at the same time, you're only looking at the offense, whereas Rod Brindamore had a phenomenal two-way game that includes two Selkie trophies. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, you know, there's this huge argument. So many people just focus on points. I Rod Brindamore is going to make the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, how? Like, I'm sorry. Like, if you don't even think he deserves to make it off a player, just off of what he's done as a coach since then. Sure, he doesn't have a Stanley Cup as a coach yet, but, you know, someone like Rod Brindamore, I, I'd certainly argue, should be in. Um, at the same time, there are arguments as well for certain women players. Jennifer Botterill and Caroline Ouellette, uh come to mind. The latter, her stat line, wasn't as familiar with her. Jesus Christ, how is this woman not in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Four Olympic gold medals. She is one of only five athletes to ever win gold in four consecutive Olympics. Mm-hmm. Six gold women's world medals. Six silver women's world medals. And four Clarkson Cups. How the fuck did this woman not make the Hockey Hall of Fame this year? Like this year. What can you can you only put in one woman per year? Like what the fuck is this? Fucking four Olympic gold medals. And she's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame right now. So, you know, it, it's so easy obviously to focus on the snubs and, and rightfully so. There's a ton of people who were snubbed, but uh yeah, I mean if you're asking me just off of some of the players like next year like McGilney should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Someone like Caroline Orlett should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But at the same time, there does seem to be some politics about the Hockey Hall of Fame. And like we kind of talked about, I know with the goalies, like I feel like what it takes to be considered a Hall of Famer for those who get the vote to put people in, that, that, that constantly changes. It changed this year. There was a time where it's like, oh, the brother Luongo won't make the Hockey Hall of Fame because he didn't want to stand the cup. And that's changed. Yeah. It's a weird situation, for sure. Super but. weird. With that, well, everybody, again, well, thank now. you for the uh, Discord questions, as always. Endo, let's get down to it. The Stanley Cup final. We got we to gotta finally, gotta finally talk about this bad boy, don't we? <laughs> the Colorado Avalanche win their third championship in team history, beating the Lightning in six games. They stay undefeated in the final. They are the fourth franchise in NHL history to win each of its first three finals appearances. The Islanders did it. Obviously, they won four in a row, literally four in a row. The original Ottawa Senators back in the 1920s did it, as did the Toronto Maple Leafs. They won their first ever three or their first three finals appearance back in 1918, 1922, and 1932. It's a good thing, though. It's a good thing. Uh, Unlike Colorado, who, um, my opinion, I'll, I'll, I'll die on this hill. Uh, probably the worst uniform set to ever raise the Stanley Cup. Here we go. I will not get over this. I will not get over how, yeah, break out the popcorn, buddy. I will not get over how bad that fucking road uni is. Why? With the fucking numbers and the blue pants. It doesn't work. It just 
doesn't, and I don't like it. The home uniform is gorgeous. The away uniform, from a head-on perspective, looks fucking great. And then you look at the numbers and the nameplate and the blue pants, and it all falls apart. Hate it. Hate it. Should be worth noting, though. I was rooting for the Avs in this. Because how could you not? I mean, no disrespect to Tampa. Three in a row would have been cool, but... You know, I've talked about Colorado at a time has been my my second team. They tied the L.A. Kings of 2012 as the most dominant playoff team of the 2000s. They went 16 and four. They lost four games on route to the cup final on route to the title. That's fucking insane. And the fact that two teams have done it in the past 10 years is even more insane. Uh, Nicholas Obey Kubel dented the Stanley Cup. <laughs> We're just going to mention a bunch of random things that happened here at different talking points. Um, that picture is an all-time moment. It will hopefully be the thumbnail, if I remember, for this video of the players all waiting for him to bring the cup over, and he trips, and everyone has that slow motion, oh my god, look on their face. Oh, yeah. All-time picture. My God. It's like um, the perfect pog, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> and the picture quality is so high depth. You can, you can, you know, scroll in and it's, it's beautiful. Oh yeah. Uh, we didn't get any Gary Bettman booing. He missed the uh, trophy presentation um, out with, uh, out with COVID. He's day to day. He had COVID? Yeah. That's, that's why he wasn't there. And that's why Bill Daly was there. He uh, tested positive for COVID. So he, he did not take part. I can I tell because my... some fans were some fans were confused. I heard some booing a little bit, but mostly yeah. was a lot of like, yeah, yeah, Bidelli, yeah. You're not Batman? Oh fuck. You're not whatever. Batman? <laughs> <laughs> like normally you uh present the con Smythe and then leave. Uh no, I, I, I kind of you know, it it did feel like something was missing. Yeah. You know, for as many uh negatives as, as people can have about Gary Bettman, boy, don't I miss the idea. Of uh, people booing that man, it's just it's tradition at this state, you know, at this at this time. So definitely felt like something was missing. Uh, worth mentioning as well, Gabriel Landeskog, captain of the team, has joined Nick Lidstrom as the only Swedish captains in NHL history to win a Stanley Cup, uh, and the fourth European alongside Alex Ovechkin and Zdeno Chara as captains to raise the cup. Kale McCarr won the Conn Smythe Trophy. In unanimous fashion. No brainer. Holy God, let's talk about this real quick. Oh my God. He became the first player to win the Hobie Baker Award as the Mm -hmm. top player in the NCAA, the Calder Trophy for top rookie, the Norris for top defender, the Conn Smythe for a playoff MVP, and a Stanley Cup. He is the first player to ever win all five of those awards. He is 23 years old. He's a year younger than me. If not, he's the same age as me. God damn it. Yeah, see, hey, congratulations. What were you doing you at are... 23? What were you doing at 23? YouTube and Twitch. <laughs> what was I doing? <laughs> Leeching off the government. That's what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> God. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I was going to say you've hit that point where you're just like, oh, God, these people that are younger than me are accomplishing things. But honestly, you start to feel that way at 18. When it's your draft year, 
when it's your draft year and you're like, oh shit, this guy's the same age as me and he just got drafted first overall. That's yeah. when it really starts to hit as a hockey fan of like, oh God, what's happening to me? Uh, Makar uh, also became one of three defensemen to win the Conn Smythe and a Norris Trophy in the same season. Joining Bobby Orr, who did it twice, Nick Lidstrom, and now Kale McCarr. McCarr became the youngest defenseman in 52 years to win the Conn Smythe. Bobby Orr in 1970, who was 22, (laughs) and Serge Savard the year before, who was 23. So we're just going to call Kale Bobby Orr now? The fucking names he is associated with. It's ridiculous. And I wanted to say this because a lot of people over the past 48 hours are breaking out. The, Can you believe he went fourth overall? <laughs> like, look, yeah, in hindsight, Kale McCarr going fourth overall is a gigantic swing and miss by the three teams ahead. But let's flash back to 2017, shall we? Nico Heischer went first overall. He was in the conversation of maybe topping Nolan Patrick for that regard. Nico Heischer has since made an NHL All-Star game appearance. Yep. I mean, not that that means as much as it used to. Mm-hmm. But Nico Heischer, I think I said Kyle McCarthy, there, but Nico Heischer is a really good player. He is. Is he the best player of this draft so far? No. But it's not understandable to know why he went first overall. It's not difficult to understand why Nolan Patrick went second overall to Philadelphia. Nolan Patrick was the consensus number one guy heading into that draft year. Injuries started to add up. Injuries have continued to add up since. But it's not difficult to understand why he went second overall when he was dominating the WHL. Miro Haskinen went third. Miro Haskinen's a phenomenal fucking player. There aren't too many teams in the league, if any, that wouldn't have an improvement on their number one defenseman if they traded their number one guy for Miro Haskinen. He's fantastic. And then Kale McCarr went fourth. Nico Heischer played in the QMJHL with Halifax. Nolan Patrick played in the W. And Miro Haskinen played in Liga. Kale McCarr played for the Brooks Bandits of the AJHL. Can we not forget that that is a major reason as to why he went fourth overall? He looked fucking phenomenal. That's why he was taken where he was. He had 75 points as a defenseman in 54 games in that league. But it's still the AJHL, and it was still viewed as a pretty big risk when you had... Guys on the board immediately after. Elias Pedersen went fifth overall. Granted, you know, the next defender to go in that class was Cal Foote, 14th. And then Eric Branstrom was also there. Timothy Liljegren went in that draft year. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Like, it's it's revisionist history to be like, Kale McCarr should have been the unanimous number one. And at the time, there was no doubts ever that he was the bet. Like, that's not true. You could argue whether or not people should have looked down on the AJHL, the Alberta Junior Hockey League, uh, as much as they did with the idea of scouting this guy. But how many AJHL teams can people name? You know? I don't think there's too many people that can name that many. And in terms of the AJHL, 
if you look at the recent history of guys who have come out of that league, there's not many. Yeah. Like, you know, if you look at guys that played there in the 90s, early 2000s, like, yeah, there are names that came out of that league. Danny Heatley, Scott Hartnell. But in recent times, like post-lockout, Braden Holpe, Clark mm. MacArthur was drafted before the lockout, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, like there was a long time where it's like, oh, well, Andy McDonald and Mark Messier played in this league. Yeah, and then there was a bunch of meh. Like the the two most notable guys that I'm looking at from this list of AJHL alumni that have come into the NHL after the lockout of 05 are Colton Pareko and Kale McCarr. Like there's not this incredibly high success rate from this league of players that were drafted post lockout. There just isn't. Yep. So again, like, yeah, I, I agree. Like right now, if you do a 2017 redraft, who are you taking first overall? It's going to be Kale McCarr. But I, I view the dunking on New Jersey, Philly, and Dallas as unnecessary because they weren't they weren't wrong. Like, I don't know. Here, 2017 NHL mock draft. How many people had Kale McCarr going early? Let's look at Bleacher Reports. Let's look at Bleacher Report here really quickly. Number one, Nolan Patrick. Number two, Nico Heischer. Number three, Gabe Velarde. Number four, Mira Haskinen. Cody Glass. Uh, where the hell did this even have? Kale McCarr, eighth to Buffalo. Uh, oh, the hockey God. writers. <laughs> Let's see. The hockey writers. Nolan Patrick, Nico Heischer. They had Kale McCarr, fourth to Colorado. And they knew then, something. Like, like, you look at these. Th- this is what it was. Yeah. This is what it was. Like, uh, NHL.com had Kale McCarr going seventh to Arizona. Like, it's not like they were dumb at the time to not take him in the top three. That was that was the consensus. Like, that's just yep. what it was. Another thing, too. Um, the reason why a lot of people are playing in junior A leagues, not major junior, is because a lot of them don't really care about the NHL. And a lot of them, well, they obviously are because of the NHL. But if you play in a major junior league like the like a w the o or the q you lose your eligibility to go play ncaa hockey because technically speaking yeah. you're a professional you're a pro professional athlete getting paid because you do make minimum wage as a player in the in the chl by going the junior a route you don't get paid yeah. you obviously get like coverage or certain things but you aren't getting an actual salary so for example if kale mccarr went to go play major junior instead Chances are his development would have been different and he probably would still be dominant. So be drafting like a high round pick, but he also wouldn't have gone to college and developed even better as a skater itself. <laughs> so there's also that route as well. Like I have a friend of mine who's playing, who was drafted by Sarnia in the O he's playing in the BCHL so he can go to college and play in the NCAA. Right. And I mean, that, that's been what I feel like is more of a recent option for these top prospects like yeah how i don't know maybe i'm wrong how common was that in 2009 not at all to be like yeah as a canadian as a top canadian prospect i want to go the ncaa route like maybe i'm wrong i don't feel like that was all that common i remember listening to a podcast um i think it was i think what they had uh these spin chicklets had crosby on and 
during his like draft year, they had no idea he was going to be drafted in the NHL. They didn't even care about that. He was like, going to go to Shuttuck St. Mary's to go play. Uh-huh. He, they had no idea he was going to go play in the queue at all and just thought we could just you know, get experience there and play and develop itself uh, as a multi-sport athlete playing hockey and baseball. Then they find out that he got drafted into the queue. It's like, oh, sweet. I guess I'm going to go play there. And then Cindy Crosby became Cindy Crosby. And no Mills, I'm going to say a name, and I just want you to go. Nazem Kadri. That's my boy! Listen, okay, listen. All right. We've talked about Nazem Kadri on the show before. He was undoubtedly my favorite hockey player, regardless. People say, oh, you know, like Gonchar or like Lindros or Gradsky. I met Lindros, it's pretty cool. And... Mine was always Nazem Kadri, and the only reason why I said that was because it was the it was the rookie because tournament that they used to do. What you knew when he won the cup that he'd essentially tell Steve Simmons to kiss his ass. Yes, that. <laughs> and also, it was I think it was his rookie, uh, his first year being on contract with the team. Like after he got signed, they had a rookie showcase, and he absolutely dangled the fuck out of Zatkov. Like it was it was Leafs against the Leafs the Pens, and he dangled the crap out of them. Like, who is that guy? That's Nazem Kadri. That's my favorite player. My uncle told me, uh, "You ever had one player you want to? Uh, if you ever wanted the jersey, who jersey would you want?" Nazem Kadri. He's like, "Why? He's 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 comes from an immigrant family. Um, he's worked his ass off to be where he is now, and now he's a Stanley Cup winner. Obviously, I didn't think about the, I didn't think so at the time, but I always thought he's my favorite favorite guy. To see him win." And to basically tell everyone to kiss his ass. Absolutely amazing. Especially over the shit that's happened to him with St. Louis fans and the racism and all the stupid stuff like that, which still happens. I'm still seeing comments about his play and comments being attacked towards the charity that he has, the Nazan Kadri Foundation. And the, the charities, like social media managers, like you're getting mad at the charity. Because we because we had no ties to what he did. Like, like I don't get it. And I'm just so happy to see that he finally got a cup. It continues the line of tradition that, you know, every Leaf player finds greatness somewhere else. Which, mm. at this point, it's just, a, it's just a goddamn truth. You want your player to get a cup? Send him to Toronto on his last year of his contract. Take him back after you want a cup. Guaranteed. Honestly, I mean, I'm I'm happy for the guy. I'm I'm happy for what it means to so many people, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it is a big moment. And you know, I, I'm sure back when he was on the Leafs, like yeah, especially uh, moments against the Bruins in the playoffs. I'm sure I had some words where I wasn't all that happy uh, in oh, regards yeah. to Nazem Kadri. But but at the end of the day, you know, you, you you separate the heat of the moment as a fan versus this moment. I'm happy for the guy. You know, again, I think it was an awesome moment. And just for him to just outright say, if you thought I was essentially a playoff, you know, cancer, kiss my ass. Just chef's kiss. All time moment. Absolutely loved it. Awesome. Darcy Kemper. A 902 save percentage in the playoffs. That is the lowest of any cup winning goalie since Grant Fuhrer in 1988, who had an 883 
by the way. Shout out to but the he 80s. Still won. <laughs> He's just still fucking won, man. And that's kind of the point. Like a lot of people, you know, I, I think they even said it on the uh, ABC coverage of the the cup final game as they were like, as Kemper was raising the cup, like, oh, a lot of people had questions as to whether or not Darcy Kemper was good enough to win a cup. Suck an egg. He, you know, he is like, <laughs> he didn't play to his best. That's for sure. But at the same time, team game didn't have to be to the best of his ability for Colorado to win the Stanley cup. Can't hate it. it it's a crazy stat line that he was that, bad i mean a 902 and what was it 14 games i think 16 games maybe like a 902 not great 16 games yeah but end of the day it was good enough so good for darcy camper good for coyotes fans as well they get a nice extra extra draft pick out of that bowen byram uh fucking elite out of nowhere fucking My hard worker god man like this is a kid who had a brutal concussion comes back and plays some incredible shutdown hockey against the two-time defending cup champions uh yeah no colorado has another stud defenseman uh also drafted fourth overall two years after mccarr was in 2017 so how long until we hear the how dumb were the Devils, Rangers, and Hawks for not taking Bowen Byram instead of Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, and Kirby Doc? When does that start? I mean, granted, more at Cider two picks later. <laughs> kind of hurts that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, freaking Bowen Byram was absolutely fantastic in that cup final. Crazy. And, again, he's 21 years old right now. Nuts. Jared Bednar becomes the uh, – First head coach to win an ECHL Kelly Cup, an AHL Calder Cup, and an NHL Stanley Cup. Fucking ridiculous. And in general, just kind of wanted to talk about the the redemption tour that's out there for Joe Sackick. You know, I mean, think you know, infamously, Steve Dangle on, on Twitter had the tweet about, like, how has Joe Sackick not been fired, essentially? And again, it's revisionist history to think that Steve was the only one to put out a tweet like that. Yeah. That was a common thought of... What the hell is Joe Sackick doing with this team? And now here we go. He is the GM. You know, he was obviously the captain of the first two teams, the first two times Colorado won the cup. And now he's the the GM of, you know, the team when they win their third. Uh, Absolute redemption for him. And, you know, someone put up a graphic of like, oh, how this team was built. Making the most of their first round picks. Ranton and yep. Landeskog, McKinnon, Newhook, McCarr, uh, not spending big money in free agency. The UFA is on this team. Valeri Nachushkin, Darren Helm, Jack Johnson, Ryan Murray, Pavel Francouz, like no big money spent. And then some really crafty trading. Burakovsky for a second and a third. Nazem Kadri, obviously in the Barry Kerfoot deal. Uh, JT Comfort. <laughs> The pick used to get him was way back when Ryan O'Reilly was still on Colorado. Arturi Lekkinen this year for Justin Barron in a second. Cogliano at the deadline for a fifth. Nico Sturm for Jost at the deadline. Yep. Uh, Eric Johnson way back when for uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, and I, I believe it was Chris Stewart. Sam Girard 
was a part of the uh, the picks, I believe, that or just outright for Matt Duchesne. And then the big one, in my opinion, uh, also I should say that Bo and Byram, the, the pick that was used to pick him, was acquired for Matt Duchesne as well. Right. The, the biggest one, I mean, you could argue maybe aside from getting their goaltender in Kemper, which again was a first, a third, and Connor Timmons. The one that stands out for me is Devon Taves. Two second-round picks. Yeah. And they get him from the Islanders. Like, that is the magnum opus of, of trades that, that you can look at for Sackick to just be like, holy, holy shit. What a and there were people saying it at the time, and then there were a lot of people like, well, he's good analytically, but is Devon Taves actually that good? <laughs> and now you'll still have people being like, well, he's only a product of Kale McCarr. But no, I mean, Joe Sackick fucking killed it over the last couple of years to put the right pieces into place. Absolutely killed it. And again, made the most of those draft picks through the early to mid uh, 2010s as well. Like again, just a, a full redemption tour and uh, shows what can happen if a GM's given enough time. There are certainly more Don Sweeney's than there are Joe Sackick's though. <laughs> That's my take. So in general... What's next for the Avs? They don't have a first. Their first pick this year is in the third round. Um, Obey Kubel and Lekkinen are RFAs. Burakovsky, Cogliano, Helm, Kadri, Vachushkin, Nico Sturm, free agents, UFAs. On defense, Jack Johnson, Josh Manson, Ryan Murray, all UFAs, and Darcy Kemper is a UFA. I'm intrigued to see what happens with this team because I think if they failed to win again, the conversation would be there that they missed their window because that's a lot of turnover with this roster. Uh, they have $25.5 million in cap space. I'm very intrigued to see who gets the big money to stay and who's allowed to kind of move on. And obviously, the biggest name, or the biggest names, I would say even more so than Kemper, you're looking at Kadri and Nachushkin. They do not win this cup without those two, especially Valeri Nachushkin. Holy God, what a playoff run he had. So, yeah, I always say it whenever we talk about a team at the end, like, oh, what's next for them? I'm intrigued to find out. But like genuinely, like there isn't a team in the NHL where it's not interesting to see what they do next and perhaps more so than none more so than Colorado, because we just saw what Tampa did. So the conversation is naturally, well, can Colorado win again? They were the favorites this year. They're already the betting favorites for next year. Mm-hmm. Makes you think if um, I feel like that team entirely has always been a united front since they rallied together and got back their picks. I think back in 2018, they've always been decently worked together. They're a very team focused group. I would not be surprised if a lot of those guys ha- take a lot of team friendly deals to keep the band together and go for another run because essentially they cruised. They cruise through everybody in in, a, in the sense of like what they only lost four games, which means that they've lost two games in two different series. They swept through two teams completely. Mm. Granted, Nashville didn't have Soros, but Ingram did absolutely amazing. Like if if Soros and Ingram is not their yeah if that's not their tandem for next year then I have no idea what's going on. Has to be. Yeah. They 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 beat down Edmonton with the two headed dragon that was McDavid and Drysaitel. 
swept. They went up against St. Louis, who was a big challenge to them, but they still found the way to get through. Hashtag found the way. Hilarious. And then to go here up against the back-to-back champs, again, as close as a series it was, after they got those two, they just kept going through. There's there's no stop for them. I really doubt that they're going to try and break up the group. I know some guys are going to probably want a little bit more, but maybe if they just buy into the system again, they can get a reward and possibly go for back for another cup. Because I think that team, as injured as they were, it seemed almost as if they coasted through. It just seemed like it. I mean, that's how Tampa stayed as good and as competitive as they did, is they got a lot of people to take those team-friendly deals in order to stick around. Don't forget the Capster Convention. We all talking about that. Gotta love that Capster Convention. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, to talk about Tampa then, you know, uh, an 11... Uh, an 11 playoff series win streak comes to an end. Corey Perry becomes the first player to lose in three straight finals each year being on a different team. I feel bad for the guy, but Jesus Christ, you know, with his play style over the years, I mean, it's it set up people to just dunk on the guy. If there's one thing I love, it reminds me of um, Marion Hosa, uh, another guy who should have, um, who he didn't get in, but he should get in. Uh, to mm. the hall. Um, back when the Detroit Red Wings won the cup in 2008, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He was a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Switches over to next year. I think it was on a one-year deal. Loses again in the Stanley Cup final. Then becomes a member of the Chicago Blackhawks and finally wins a cup. Yeah. I just, I just reminded me of that completely. Patrick Maroon's consecutive playoff win streak ends at 15 series. It was the longest streak for a player since 1983. Want to mention this, Elliot Friedman, uh, throughout the word dynasty, two Stanley Cups, 11 series wins in a row. We don't know if it's over, but at this point in time, do we consider the Tampa Bay Lightning to be a dynasty? I think so. I do too. And I'll tell you why. This isn't just about the past three years. They made a cup final in 2015. Yep. Consistently making the playoffs, with the exception of one year, where they were injured to hell and back. I think a lot of people forget uh, that season. That was, I think, 2016-17. Right. Where they just had all the fucking injuries. Obviously, you have the 2019 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets, but they have made the playoffs with every year except for that one super injury prone year since the 2013 14 season. And looking since 2015, since they made it to the cup final. You lose in six to Chicago. Next year, conference finals loss in seven to Pittsburgh. Didn't make the playoffs. Conference finals loss to Washington. And then lost to Columbus and then what they've done recently. So since 2015, with the exception of Columbus, they've either won the cup or lost to the team that won it. That I'm sorry, but 
unless your standard is just hard out, there has to be three cups in a row at least to be a dynasty. They absolutely qualify as a team in in that category for me as a dynasty team. Like they yeah. have just been, they have been the best team in the NHL. Like I get that Pittsburgh had won back to back cups as well, but. Again, just that thought of like, oh, well, they lost to Pittsburgh in 2016 and Washington in 2018, and then both those teams went on to win the Cup. Both of those series went to seven in the conference final. Like, you could easily be talking about Tampa winning three or four Cups since 2015. Easily. They are 100% a dynasty, in my opinion. I I don't view it as, well, it has to be three in a row for it to be considered a dynasty. I don't view it that way. Yeah, they also, don't they have like the... They lead the league over the past 10 years with the most series one. Yeah. I believe that's a status right. well. Like, even regardless of, like, you know, obviously having two cups is better than having no cups or one cup, so they don't have the third cup. That's definitely considered the dynasty in my books because just the domination of that team, regardless of postseason, like, experience, being able to set that record back and then they got they got swept by the uh, the Blue Jackets. They've been dominant. They've always been in that kind of like top echelon, except for that one year where they, everyone got injured. I think mm. that's definitely something that needs to be taken account into and not just postseason success. Like, it obviously has a factor, but I don't, I don't think hitting a third cup number automatically qualifies you for dynasty status. I think being able to have other credentials as well, like regular season awards would also benefit as well too. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about with Tampa, I mean, I guess there are two things. Um, the complaints about the, the lightnings complaining. Um, first and foremost, like the idea of like, Oh, John Cooper making excuses about the altitude and stuff like that. Don't I forget. view that. Like, John Cooper's a smart guy. I don't view that as him actually blaming the altitude or anything like that. I think you could look at his post, uh, you know, game six interview that he had. I don't know if that aired in Canada. It was certainly on ABC slash ESPN here in the States. He's a very smart guy. The guy's a fucking lawyer. I just viewed that as, like, the altitude and stuff like that and the idea of, oh, it might have been offside, stuff like that. I view that as him taking the heat off of his players. Focus on me. Don't focus on the guys that lost. That's how I view it. 100%. The guy isn't going to sit down and be like, yeah, I think we got jobbed. I'm out. Like, and not elaborate at all and be so coy about it. Like if John Cooper actually felt like he got jobbed, the guy's a fucking lawyer. He's going to stand up there and tell you to the T, like, this is why we got jobbed. Like, I just viewed that as, again, him taking the heat off of his team, a team that he knew was, and obviously both sides were, every team is that makes it to a cup final, but a team that was on their last legs. So fucking banged up, having played so much hockey over the past few years. That's just him defending his team. And then, obviously, a lot of like, oh, a lot of complaining from Perry and Maroon, and and then Kucherov threw a tantrum at the end of game six. Okay, I'm going to talk about that right now. If you are a professional athlete and you are frustrated that you're down a goal with less than one minute left in the clinching game, the Stanley Cup final, you need to come back from behind 
and force a game seven. I would be just as pissed, if not more, that I need a new twig, and unfortunately, my equipment guy is a little bit slow to grab mm -hmm. on the stick. It, it happens. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a human but, error. There's not there's not much but, you can do. He's like a child. You should be more mature and be an adult. That was shit that I heard, dude. Like, I'm sure he went up to the equipment managers like, ah, shit, sorry. But it's understandable because the lightning thought there was going to be an offside three seconds before that. Yeah, people thought it was me icing. Yeah, uh, excuse me, an icing. You're right, not an offside. Yeah. It's just that idea of like, really, we're gonna sit here from our couch, from our desk wherever we're sitting and judge a pro player for being extremely frustrated in the moment when he's 25 seconds away from losing the fucking Stanley cup. Holy fuck people. Like, Oh my God. It's that you mean like to tell me if you've ever man. played in a pickup league that you've never gotten mad at somebody else, dude, are you as a rental goalie? Do you know how many times I'm so mad because I have no competent defense? I could grab Polina on the room and say, Hey, have you ever been pissed off because you had no defensive coverage or guys where we're supposed to be? Because I know exact moments where it's happened. And you're like, what the fuck? Then you realize, obviously, on our level, it's just a game. Like, whatever. doesn't matter. But in their level, they're still athletes. They're still people at the end of the day as well. Like, people make mistakes. Granted, it caused another thing was, like, losing the Stanley Cup. But at the end of the day, again, they're still people. Uh, people are allowed to get angry. And it's a really, really big comparison Whereas basketball, NBA, everyone and every fucking play throws a tantrum. And and, and everyone it gets a free pass there. Soccer. Literally the tantrum is sport. Like, yeah. what is it? The, the they say it's a, a hooligans game played by no, a gentleman's game played by hooligans. Like, what do you what's going on? You, because it's hockey, like you have to be all prim and proper and all this and all that. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why all your press stuff is boring as shit to watch for anyone else in the entire sport. I like the fact that players have frustration and they're able to showcase that on the ice. I mean, everyone's like, oh, he's being mad. He can't be mad. He has to be stone-faced like a – like like just, just – just Thank moot. you for this, by like, the way. I'm this tired is... of that shit. I'm, I'm, You're exactly I'm right. See... Yeah, I want people to get mad. I want people to get happy, excited, not just because like, oh, a game's over or whatever. If you win a if you win a game, you should be happy. But you should throw stone face, whatever. Like the hug with Allmark and um what's Swayman. the other goalie's name? What's the other game? Swayman. Oh, Swayman, yeah. That hug? Beautiful. People don't like that. People have issue with that the same way they have issue with the storm surge at the end of Carolina games. Mm -hmm. It's stupid. Like you're you're basically gatekeeping this whole other thing to be very st stone cold, slate, whatever, and it's redundant. It's the reason why this sport isn't growing the way it should be. The inclusivity yeah. and all that. It's I'm tired of it. Do you want right some of my popcorn? I can give you some of my popcorn. I can go on for fucking hours. No, well, you're shit. right, though. That's what this is. This is just the continuation of people who know, who view it as, no, hockey players have to be the utmost professional at all times, no emotion, practically fucking androids. That's what this is. Oh, Kucherov's a, he's a sore loser and a bad winner. What if he is? He, oh my God. One of the best hockey players on earth is competitive, perhaps to a fault. I am fucking shocked. 
Like, it's just, it's this incessant pearl clutching. At the same time, oh, Tampa, all they did was complain about the refs. They got a lot of calls. Acting like Colorado was saying, Kale McCarr was openly caught on mic. Fucking open ice shared the clip on Twitter of him calling the referee a fucking joke. Is Kale McCarr a piece of shit too, like Kucherov? No, it's the heat of the fucking moment. And look. Yeah, maybe Tampa was trying to influence the referees a lot by bitching as much as they were. I don't necessarily have an issue with it because we know how fucked up officiating is, how low the standard is, and how they can't even hit that low of a standard consistently. Why not try to influence the refs? I've said it, but in the past, I respect the fact that Craig Berube did it in 2019 because it worked. I just think it's fucking rich that someone who made his career as a goon was whining to the refs, but it works. I can hate <laughs> what what I, I can I can hate the guy, but not the game. It's kind of an inverse of an old saying that I'm too white to say. <laughs> Fuck Craig Berube, but the tactics are on point. You can mm-hmm. hate the Tampa Bay Lightning, but the tactics are on point to try to fucking influence the referees. Why yep. not? Talk about people being mindless fucking robots. That's what the refs are. Why not just be like, hey, you should have called a pen there. And then he'd be like, no, fuck it. I guess I should have. Like, it's just, that's just the gamesmanship of it. I don't, I still don't get why we're at a point where someone shows emotion and it's, oh, if it's too positive, that's bad. If it's too negative, that's bad. Oh, you bitch to the refs to get calls. That's every fucking sport ever. Do you watch the NFL? Do you watch the Premier League? Do you watch the NBA? Do you watch Major League Baseball? Every single sport, people complain to the refs to try and get calls to go in their favor later on in the game, later on in the series. That's what it is. Just fuck. Uh, it's, It's annoying. It's incredibly annoying. I hate it. Final two things about this, because you and I could both rant about this forever because we feel the same way and people are fucking stupid. Oh, yeah. (sighs) Number one, the Joe Biden tweet (laughs) where he called the avalanche underdogs. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I believe he was in Germany at the time, but if he was in the States, this was tweeted at 10.57 p.m. on Monday night. That man was in bed at four. You really fucking think he tweeted that and not some fucking intern that manages the Twitter? <laughs> Holy shit, people. My God. Like, look, I voted for the guy. I can laugh, too, when he falls off a bicycle. It's kind of fucking funny. <laughs> but, like, do we really think he's like the rest of us fucking losers and on Twitter at 4 a.m.? No. I'm pretty sure he's got more important shit to do. And if he is on Twitter at four in the morning, calling the abs underdogs and pissing off all of hockey Twitter, that's my president. God damn. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hockey Twitter is redundant. I swear to God. Um, uh, I have a tweet uh, that I that I, that I made and I'm surprised I didn't knock off. I said, where is it? I've come to the slow realization that hockey Twitter is ran by girls who have unhealthy amounts of pickers of their three favorite players on their respective teams. Because, like, every fucking banger post that's, like, fucking 3,000 likes is, like, <sighs> a, a weird, obscure picture on like, a, on, like, a Snapchat filter of a player that you... I don't know how the fuck you have. And it's yeah. just like, oh, my God, so true, besties. I'm like, fucking put a bullet <laughs> in my brain. 
and then they go like, oh, Joe Biden uh, said they take a hard route to get through because the fucking hashtag is find a way. Of course, they're like one of the favorites to go through. But Tampa Bay was still considered the top dog the entire run. It's like, oh, the three-peat's going to happen. It's going to happen 100% for sure. And Pat Maroon's going to get four rings, four to go like this, and the fifth one's give you a big thumb up after. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. Twitter sucks. (laughs) Yes, it does. Last thing I wanted to mention, the kind of talk of what's next for Tampa. Um, As of this moment, they are about $2 million over the cap. I don't (laughs) believe that factors in the $7 million that will go in relief from Brent Seabrook. So they have about $5 million in cap space. Jan Ruda, Riley Nash, Andre Palat, Nick Paul, all UFAs. Obviously, there will be more changes with that lineup and the big issue on the horizon for them after this upcoming season, Anthony Sorelli's an RFA, Ross Colton, Mikhail Sergachev, Eric Chernak, Cal Foot, all RFAs where Kalorn, Belmar, Perry, and Brian Elliott as the backup goalie will all be UFAs. I say it every time though, but holy shit, will the next year or two be super interesting for the Lightning? to see if they can still stay in an uber-competitive state. Because that that window where you have your top guys like Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos, it looks like it's starting to close a little bit because, yeah, you did end up having to say goodbye to Barclay Goodrow, to Blake Coleman. You're probably losing Andre Palat now. And then after this next year, you're probably going to lose Alex Kalorn. I, I just don't know if they're going to have the assets enough to kind of restock the cupboard with players like that where you can just keep rotating guys out. They do have their first round pick this year, no second or third. And of course their next two first round picks are gone because of the Brandon Hagel trade. They have two Stanley cups. I don't really think they care, but super interesting setup for them moving forward. Uh, and then a couple other things just to talk about really quickly to end the show. Uh, wanted to mention uh, ESPN slash ABC round of applause for you. Um, yeah. For those here in the States, you'll know NBC, they used to give us five minutes. Once the players had the cup and were skating around the ice, five minutes. And then they'd dump the rest of the coverage from NBC over to a secondary channel like NBCSN. ABC stuck with the Stanley Cup celebration for 55 minutes. Wow. They did not cut away from the celebration, they showed fucking everything. ESPN knocked it out of the fucking park. Like you could talk about their presentation. If it's as good as TNT's, it's not. But in terms of them fully committing to hockey again and treating it like a big fucking deal, knocked it out of the park. Sure. On every ESPN tweet that involves hockey, you're going to get, Oh, not a sport. Uh, People fucking troll and meme that shit all the time. ESPN doing right by the sport of hockey. The ratings reflected it as well. Um, Again, just fucking fantastic numbers across the board there too. So first season with hockey on ESPN and TNT in the States, gigantic success, at least from what I can tell from the outside looking in. Phenomenal. Um, Just exactly what the sport needed on the American side of things. Wanted to mention this as well. Uh, The Calder Cup was also awarded to the AHL Chicago Wolves, Carolina's affiliate. Technically, they won it uh, back-to-back cups. Uh, There was no cup awarded last year, but the year before, they had won it when uh, they were still with the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, Today, goaltender Alex Lyon was suspended two games for flipping the old (laughs) double deuce. Uh, He gave him the Thunderbird right back to him. (laughs) 
They'll be suspended for two games next year. (laughs) Worth it. Absolutely worth it. Alex Lyon, what a legend. That was beautiful. The Memorial Cup final. Oh, no, go ahead. What's funny about that is is, um, he's on a two-way contract, I believe. So that means that if he were to sign with the, if we were to sign, I believe he's, if he's not under a two-way contract, but if he were to sign uh, again to a new deal, he only, the only thing that applies to is AHL games. So hypothetically, if he were to get called up to the end and just Mm -hmm. play the entire season, he could, he could still play. But yeah. the moment he goes back down to Chicago, whatever AHL team he plays on, he has to serve two game suspension, which is hilarious mm-hmm. to me. It's absolutely yeah. hilarious. He he was uh, he is a UFA now. He was with Carolina's organization under an NHL contract this year. The mm-hmm. Memorial Cup final is set. Hamilton Bulldogs and the St. John Sea Dogs. We haven't really got to talk about this too much. I've been trying to pay attention as much as possible. It's obviously very difficult when the Stanley Cup Finals is going on. At the same time, uh, Endo Mills, have you been able to pay attention? And do you have a pick? Are you going with? Uh, I don't know. Who do you root for in the OHL? I, I can't imagine it's Hamilton. No one, um, because the entirety of the OHL coverage has been nothing. The CHL coverage. Uh, no offense to my friends over at uh, TSN, but it's. It has been it's been moot. It's been terrible. It's always oh Bedard, 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 Bedard. Like I'm tired. I, like no offense. I love Connor Bedard, but it's always been oh now all these top talents that were like hyped about Shane Wright. No, he's out of there. Bedard out of there. I don't think any of these guys who were in there are like any anywhere near the top like ten. Any yeah. talent inside the Memorial Cup is in the top ten for drafts. So it's kind of like. You're trying to everyone who's playing right now is trying to bump up their draft stock or get ready to like get their value up a little bit, which is great. But there's been no storylines. The biggest storyline out of there has been the one guy who has who started the collection for like various like oh eight like CHL jerseys. That's the biggest storyline that I've seen out of the coverage for the CHL uh regarding Oof. the Mem Cup and everything. Oof. Uh, I will say I'm rooting for St. John just because they're the uh, host city, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to root for Hamilton, to... though. Are the they are using the, the former logos of the Hamilton Bulldogs for the who are the farm team for the Montreal Canadiens? They just mm. slap a different color scheme on them and just went, "All right, you're different." It's true. Good team. It's a nice logo, yeah. though. Made sense. Very nice. This. Um, of course, we talked about on the last show, and again, a reminder as well. I mean, if you're this late into this, you probably watched the last show. Of course, we had a, a special podcast out with me just talking about everything in regards to Finland. On the last show as well, we talked about a lot of things, including the Ottawa Senators' new proposed arena in the Breton Flats. Um, just wanted to mention this and to reiterate, um, you know, our hockey on Reddit, you know, providing graphics to showcase how beneficial it's going to be for the Sens to move their new arena into a, a better location for them. But people do the same thing for the Coyotes, and it's, no, fuck you. Move the team, damn you, Bettman. I won't let this go. I will not let go of the double standard that people have for the Coyotes. Horrible location. They move the team to a better spot. Hey, it's fine. Senators, horrible location. Move it to a better team. They're great for the Coyotes. Fuck you, basically. Uh, Sorry. I just had to reiterate that. It, It frustrates me to absolutely no end. Oh, well, the Sens aren't going to be staying in an NCAA arena in the time. They fucking barely fill the arena they have now either because it's in the middle of nowhere and the team sucked. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's it's redundant. I remember having a, a discussion, not a discussion, a uh, a talking to with someone in my chat about um, how they're getting the new arena. And like I said last time, you know, until they put a shovel in the ground, that build that thing's not being built. It's it's a plan. And we've seen like with the whole thing with Arizona and they're like, oh, we're going to be staying over here because like we have the deal. It's it's like in it's 100 percent going to happen. That's where we're mm. going to move over here for like fucking three years and go back when it's all ready to go. Like this one saying that the arena is going to be ready in like 2024, which is like before the, the Yotes arena is supposed to be finished. So it's like, what the f- what? Huh? Like, yeah, <laughs> figure that one it out. makes no sense. Yeah. Um, so there's a continued developing story as well that I know mm-hmm. Endo was looking to talk about on today's show. You're going to know more about it being Canadian, uh, but it's still everything that's going on with Hockey Canada. Um, Scotiabank announced that they're pausing their sponsorship with Hockey Canada due to the current ongoing uh, investigation uh, with everything that's going on. That's more layers continue to be uncovered. Canadian Tire, I think, has also just announced while we're recording this uh, that there's a pause there as well. Um, and no, I mean, again, I won't stop you from speaking on it. I don't know enough about it just because so much continued to break while I was in Finland. Uh, but this is a massive, massive story. Yes. So to put it really, really simple and really break it down. Uh, so there have been sexual assault allegations regarding the uh, 2018 World Junior Championship team. So the Canadian national team apparently um, had some super egregious claims towards them. And from what I can remember from the court case, no, from the, they had a meeting about all this stuff. And they said that they would appreciate if players were to come forward and no one has come forward yet. And Twitter's doing their digging, as they always do, and try to find more information out. And with Scotiabank basically saying we're pulling out of their funding because this is disgusting is a shocker. It's, it's, it's like, wow, you're actually trying to do something to promote it all that talk about making hockey inclusive wasn't just kind of putting something on the wall and saying, yeah, we do this thing. We're doing that. They're actually putting their literally money where they mouth, where their mouth is. The one thing people I do want to note about that as well is they have said that they're going to continue funding minor hockey itself. It's just that hockey Canada is not receiving a cent from them until they complete this investigation and the right, and justice is served because it is egregious that this is still going on. Like this could be still active NHL players on there. Like granted, they'd be, they'd be rookies at this point or just kind of like in there as well. But it's it's gross. I'm trying to figure out the exact comments that are here. I'm looking for the articles over here, but I can't find them exactly. But it's it's not pretty. There, we're, we'll have more about it when it comes up. Um, but it's just not. It's not good. Yeah. And again, it's just a, it's a continued ongoing uh, developing story. But at the same time, as negative of a story as it is, again, we kind of talked about this when all the Kyle Beach stuff broke last fall. You know, you're going to keep seeing more stories like this come out. And as frustrating and infuriating as it is to kind of get details and to see that, you know, hey, uh, you could speak up and own up to your actions save people a lot of trouble to know that people won't and they'll hold back and deny, deny, deny until the very end. More stories like this are going to keep coming out. And, you know, while it's it's such a negative at the same time, 
it um it, it is a positive that you know light is being i guess shown upon a situation like this yeah i just want to update as well so another thing happened uh apparently hockey canada received 14 million dollars in federal funds over the last two years for covid relief mm-hmm. um Federal support, $14 million federal government support in 2020 and 2021, including $3.4 million in emergency COVID-19 subsidies. And the reason why this is brought up is because uh, apparently all politicians are looking to s- uh, establish whether public funds were used to settle a $3.55 million lawsuit brought by a woman who alleges she was sexually assaulted by eight former Canadian Hockey League players, mm. who also happened to be a part of Hockey Canada. And it was following a Hockey Canada Foundation event in London, Ontario in June 2018. So that's why this is all coming up. And that's why this is all coming through. Yeah. And they said that this was members of the Canadian National Junior Team who would capture the IAHF World Championship gold six months before. So that's why Twitter is doing their digging and saying, oh, it could be these people. We're obviously not going to say who they think it is, but they have no they have no idea. They only have the list of the roster members there. And. That's all I, I can say on it because everything else is speculation. And until we have more stuff, that's all I'm probably going to share. Yeah. Uh, and more positive stuff to add in the show. Again, it, you could say it's positive in a way, though, like I mentioned. Uh, the Chicago hockey team, as I call them, personally. Um, the Chicago? Yeah. They announced, hey, we're going to make an announcement. And I'm like, oh, on Twitter. I'm like, oh, good. Are you are, are you changing your name? Are you updating your logo? Are you fire? Are you getting a new owner? That'd be great. Long overdue, but. That'd be great. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you announce your new head coach, that'd be nice too, I guess. And they did. Luke Richardson, formerly of the Montreal Canadiens as assistant, was named the 40th head coach in club history. Good appointment. We'll see how he does with this first head coaching gig. Uh, that team itself is in a little bit of a flux, especially with the rumors over potentially trading Alex Debrinkit, you fucking idiots. Uh, but also kind of flew under the radar, I think, for people outside of that. Uh, they also named Megan Hunter as an assistant GM and to a hockey ops position, she is the fourth female AGM in NHL history. So I will shit on Chicago, not the fans, not the city, but the team when it is due. But at the same time, I will give them credit where it is due. Very nice. Again, to make a hire uh, that is more than deserving. So good job there. Uh, Still, if there's one organization that you maybe kind of look at, to be like, hmm, why'd you do that? It would be the organization that had their uh, previous GM come out surrounded by women at the draft to kind of show. You remember when that happened? No, I don't. Yeah, this past draft, you had uh, the the stuff going on. Yeah, the 2021 NHL draft. If you search 2021 NHL draft, Stan Bowman, this was before he was fired. Did he not come out onto the stage or was it the owner of the team that came out onto the stage just surrounded by women when they selected Nolan Allen? I got to look this up. Nolan Allen, Chicago. And you look at the video of him being drafted in the announcement. They just come out on stage like weird garbage nonsense from chicago so again hey good move do i still trust the people in charge of this organization absolutely fucking not uh yeah we'll we'll leave it at that we'll leave it at that 
Positive Leafs news. We mentioned this as well a little bit earlier on. The uh, Toronto Maple Leafs have re-signed Timothy Lilligren to a two-year deal worth $1.4 million against the cap every season. Fucking outrageous. It's such a good deal. <laughs> yeah. Kyle Dubas. I don't know how he does it. When it comes to signing players, he, he's working a mastercraft right there. Again, I think that's what the, them just buying into the system. Also, bridge deal, you know, prove it. Here's basically, here's a million a year. Prove it that you want more. Uh, because I believe in two years, there's going to be a lot more contracts opening up with more money opening up and being freed. Uh, they are definitely within a bit of a window. Yeah. So we are intrigued. And then, um, you know, we kind of mentioned the, uh, the draft and how... Uh, Love someone joining us on that particular show. Uh, Bob McKenzie's TSN draft ratings came out today. Yep. With Slavkovsky being ahead of Shane Wright. This no. is why, everybody, I'm saying we might be going to one a week because until the NHL draft, which is on July 7th and 8th, we are in store for a week and a half of this nonsense of will it be this guy or will it be this guy? And it's going to be very frustrating to talk about. Yeah. So I know he he went into detail about why he picked Slavkovsky over right. Uh, he essentially said they're tied. They they are tied, but the graphic made him pick one over the other. Hmm. I mean, that's fair. I think Slavkovsky would be a bigger fit for the, for the Habs than right. I don't know. I just I have a feeling he'd be a bigger fit for them. I'm intrigued. We'll leave it at that. I am intrigued as always to see what happens because it's it happens every year. Mm -hmm. Oh, Capocaco, well, you Sir Lafreniere is the or not well Capocaco, but will Capocaco jump Jack Hughes? Will will Lafreniere be jumped at the last moment? Will this guy well, he sure will he jump Patrick? And he did. It's just it happens every single year. Uh but hey, if the Habs do something stupid, we'll be right here to talk about it. That'll Probably do it for right. us, everybody. Pray, pray for Sin's safe return to the United States when he leaves in six years. Might finally come back to visit us. He'll come Hopefully. back with a wife and kid, honestly. <laughs> Endo, what do you, yeah, he might. Uh, Endo, what do you got going on here? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, just working on videos for you. And uh, streaming Twitch.tv slash Endo Mills. Um, usually between 3 to 5 what like 1 to like 4 p.m. is when I usually start a stream super wide start time because I'm in the of and yeah that's it I'm in the of yeah, so that's what I got going on what about yourself to Tugworth oh F122 dropped yesterday we'll be playing the ever loving hell out of it for like the next month and a half until Madden comes out in August it's going to be a fun time. Nice. Uh, eventually, Deke Slayer and I will get our co-op career mode going, which I'm very happy about that. We started it last year a little bit late, but this year, right out of the gates, uh, we're going to break out the wheels and see if we can win a championship together. That'll be a very fun time. And yeah, aside from that, hey, same old deal. The podcast, the YouTubes, we're definitely going to be getting back onto the YouTube grind here very very soon get the cold war back up and running again uh, again that finland trip really kind of threw me through a loop this is my first full day at home uh in two and a half three weeks. weeks almost three, three weeks. weeks yeah 
Like my last day here, full day here, I think was Thursday the 9th. It is the 28th. It has been a long time since I've had a full 24 hours in my own house. So it's nice to get used to things. And who knows? Maybe I'll leave again soon. Go explore the Canadian coastline. Have Endo fly to fucking Moncton or St. John or Halifax and meet up with us. Who knows? Who knows? I'll just I'll just get Paulina the drive. <laughs> That's a long fucking drive. <laughs> I mean, it's worth it to see Canada. I mean, I always did want to say I wanted to see Canada, right? So you did. This would be yeah. a perfect reason why. Spend some casual time with my lady, even though I see her like every day. Saw Not her again nearly right enough. Yeah, not nearly. We're enough. talking forty-eight hours a day, three sixty-five, <laughs> <laughs> double time. God, keep an eye out on Twitter and everything, everybody. I'll let you know if we're gonna have a second episode this week. Hope some interesting things happen, and maybe there will be. If not, we'll see you next week. Enjoy the rest of your week. Goodbye, Manscaped. Go Doogie. Ball deodorant. Eat popcorn like Endo. It's a good snack. Clean Stay yourself. Healthy. That too. That too.